Welcome everybody to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker coming to you from the new studio setup, which is not complete yet. I know I kind of promised it last week. It got a black backdrop. It's better than just looking at the wall, right? <laughs> so um, those that are on the uh, Patreon page, patreon.com slash Media, uh, you will see uh, some of that new studio setup. We'll be adding to it here uh, very soon and get some of our uh, favorite items back up like Ichabod Cranium and Ghosty. Of course, we'll have the Hunter Road Roast coffee out, all that great stuff. So all those things will be getting worked back in here very soon. But tonight we're going to be talking about paranormal storytelling. Many different ways that we can talk about the paranormal and supernatural and present this uh, different phenomenon to you. Being a writer, this is kind of um, pretty much one of the things I do, right? So um, we just had Howie uh, Noel on who does the paranormal comics as well as uh, many other different things. And that is, you know, one method to, you know, take a uh, graphic novel, a comic strip, present an artwork, a storyline. And, you know, he deals with uh, you know, really things that people are, you know, I guess afraid of over the years. He, he does uh, like involve paranormal teams with that. And um, it, it's interesting. So he has this, um, you know, tough girl that uh, that basically comes in is almost like the paranormal warrior and and deals with this phenomenon. So, um, yes, welcome back, friends and family down in the chat. Absolutely. So I have a stack of books. <laughs> we'll get into a number of different things here. So um, I have over the course of well, I guess my life, because I've been writing since I was seven years old, um, presented the paranormal in a number of different ways. So uh, a lot of times when I'm at an event, convention, when I'm doing an interview uh, and what have you, I'll get asked, you know, what type of writing it is. You know, a lot of times this is, a, is it fiction, nonfiction? Um, what type of ghost stories do you tell? And it's like, well, it really depends on the book. So, like, just right off the top, A Walk in the Shadows, which is the latest book. Um, you know, this is really more of a research book. And I did put the link down in the description. Of course, you can get everything from MikeRicksecker.com or Amazon or whatever. But this is more of a, of a research book where we go into a lot of... Um, you know, theory behind the phenomenon. So I do include people's experiences, um, things that have happened to me, things that happened to others, and then we examine those different things. So while others may do this in regards to like different people that we've had on the show, like a, a great example here recently, uh, Freddie Silva, you know, a, a lot of his research books, um, you know, he goes, he goes around the world, he researches, you know, different phenomenon, uh, he researches the history, he will include uh, examples of stories that people have told him, you know, but it has to do with, you know, like lost civilizations and, and things like that, where this one happens to be shadow person phenomena. And, you know, I really do appreciate all the, um, you know, stories and experiences people have provided because, it's, I'm not the only person in the world that has had shadow people experiences. So um, it, it allows a person to take a topic. This is, you know, paranormal, supernatural related and just really like dive into it and, you know, really um, get at the heart of a specific type of phenomena. So that is really one type of way to present the paranormal and the supernatural storytelling yes and the fact that there are many stories uh within a walk in the shadows and then um we examine each type of phenomena within that so you know whether it's a specific type of shadow person you know like humanoid figure hat man crawler what have you and then we get into you know um experiences with sleep paralysis. And so we have examples of uh, stories from people that have had sleep paralysis, shadow person experiences in a variety of different capacities. 
you know, as well as some other kind of esoteric things like um, shadow people on the woods or even like simulated universe type scenarios and things like that. So um, again, to a lot of different types of um, of stories and experiences within that book, but it's more of a of a research book. So if you guys have any questions about any of this stuff, by all means, throw them down in the chat. I actually have to bring up my little window to receive those questions from Quarantine Ghosts. I'm not exactly on the ball here. All right. Um, all right, so there we go. So, so that's the research book. Um, prior to that, probably the more... <clears throat> been a long night of talking Christopher Stan says love that book having my collection thank you very much appreciate that so prior to that probably the more kind of kind of quote-unquote hardcore type of paranormal books that I've written so I mean this this was you know I mean a lot of information uh, kind of more serious in nature and those would be something like your historic paranormal books. So Ghosts of Maryland, Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma. Um, of course, again, I'm not the only person that's written books like this. But you see these types of books from people from... Um, you see this a lot in like um, like local gift shops um, you know, or a local historic location that they'll have all these wonderful history books and then they'll have like the ghost book about that specific location. And so that's kind of what these are, except, you know, they're specific to a state, uh, Maryland and Oklahoma. And so it go, they go a lot into the history of the different locations. And then they include all of the, you know, hauntings of that particular location, depending on the location that, you know, we're talking about within uh, that chapter. So what's, uh, what was really cool about Ghosts of Maryland is that uh, LSU actually included as part of their uh, Civil War review because there's so much Civil War uh, history in there. Not to mean that it's bogged down with, with history, but um, I have a presentation that I give that's called uh, History and the Paranormal, a Working Relationship, which is based off of an article I wrote years ago. And... You know, basically how paranormal, hauntings, ghost stories, all of that type of stuff can't exist without the history since, I mean, really, these people are the past, right? You know, these are people whose lives have already played out, uh, but we're learning more about them. And we're actually, um, as a writer, as paranormal investigators, uh, we are... Uh, giving a voice to those spirits from the past so that they are no longer forgotten, they are now being remembered. Um, so, um, a couple of questions already in from Sharon Lane. Mike, have you ever worked on a script writing of a paranormal film? And what do you prefer to write, fiction or nonfiction? Good questions. Uh, no, I haven't worked on script writing for a paranormal film. Mostly because, okay, writing a manuscript for a book and writing a screenplay are very different styles of writing. Um, you also have to keep in mind with a screenplay, it's not just the story that you're putting together. You're also taking into consideration all the filming elements. So, you know, like a specific camera angle or characters walking in from a uh, particular you know, side of the screen and things like that. Um, you know, there's, I mean, I guess the setting that, that they put in place is, I mean, that would be kind of like describing a location, but it's a very different style of writing. The formatting is very different. Um, and I just haven't done that. Um, so I would, I would, of course, be open to working on a project like that. Uh, I, I think, obviously, I have a lot of great ideas. <laughs> um, I just haven't ever done that style of writing. Uh, it's just different. So the other question, do you prefer uh, fiction or nonfiction? I mean, I like both. I, mean, I started, 
my writing started off as fiction. So my very first book actually was a mystery novel, Deadly Heirs. The sequel is System of the Dead. When I started writing as a seven-year-old, yeah, I started writing when I was seven years old. I've been writing ever since. I really like the Encyclopedia Brown books, you know, solving these little short mystery stories. And as a kid, I wanted to mimic those types of stories. This is, a, it, this is actually part of a conversation that we had with uh, Howie Noel prior to the show that we had with him where, you know, we were talking about, you know, being influenced by uh, by writers or, you know, types of books, but not, I mean, not just straight ripping it, because that was part of the conversation where, you know, he's had um, a lot of his work copied or they tried to take the paranormal name or something like that, um, and you just, you, you can't do that. But, you know, especially as a kid, you are influenced by, you know, different writers and different books and things like that, and so you try to, to mimic that, but you make it your own. So with me, as a seven-year-old, I was trying to mimic the Encyclopedia Brown books, and I came up with um, little mystery stories that were, you know, either me or a character that I had in that same vein, but it was still all my own. I also wrote, wrote a little historic fiction, and I did write some ghost stories. Um, so... So yeah, my, my roots are fiction, but um, I have a path a passion for history, and I have a you know a passion for finding out the truth. And with the paranormal, um, you know, you're talking about supernatural activity. You are talking about spirituality, all interests of mine. So how are all these different things related? Um, how have I been affected? over the years by this type of phenomena? How have others been affected by this type of phenomena? How can we help each other? What are, the, what are some things that we can learn? How do things tie into the origins of the planet, of the universe? Um, are, are there things that we can learn about who we are as humans by researching deeper into these topics? Um, what has been lost to time that we should know now so that we're not making the same mistakes as humans because we do that perpetually we're always we're kind of always in a cycle that you know we we you know we're going along as a as a species we make a mistake we get hurt we move on you know we try we fix it right we move on we learn from it a couple generations down the road they have forgotten about how we got hurt before and they make the same damn mistake again I feel like we're doing that now in our society. Like, you know, we, we made some mistakes, we fixed it, we moved along, things were okay for a while, and then, you know, we made the same mistakes again, it's falling apart. Um, in a lot of different ways. I'm not just picking one specific social issue right now. There's many different social issues going on right now um, in, a, in many capacities. And people tend to focus on one or two. There's a lot. Um, so... I do like nonfiction in that, that um, to, it, it kind of does go back to mysteries that we are, um, there's still mysteries out there about the universe to be found, to be discovered, and that's where the nonfiction writing comes in, that as I'm researching about one particular thing, I find out information about other stuff. Um, and so that really happened in A Walk in the Shadows. Um, you know, I had... I mean, really, a lot of this came together in like the last six months of 2019. Um, I've been writing, working on the book for a couple of years, but, you know, it, it was kind of like a steamroll effect. So um, as I was uh, doing research for specific chapters within uh, that book, you know, I started finding more information and finding more information and finding more information. And it just became extremely interesting. Um you know, what I was discovering, and it was just like a whole snowball effect that, oh, I'm finding all this additional material, and boom, putting it in, putting it in, putting it in. And it has become so much more so now that this book here, and I allude to it at the very end, the not-so-final thoughts chapter, that this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, in the introduction, 
I make mention that this book will be continuously updated with more information, things that we discover, specifically on shadow people. But I mentioned the shadow dimension um, in the not-so-final thoughts of that book. Uh, and it, I'm really talking about the connected universe, which we've talked a lot about here on Beyond the Shadows. And so all that information I've been, I discovered there, taking that along with more information that I've been discovering here since I published that book, and there is, I'm really excited about the project. Um, you know, there is so much more that's coming to fruition here with this uh, bigger Shadow Dimension Connected Universe project. Um, and it, there was a video project that I had lined up to go along with that as well, which COVID kind of nixed, at least for this year. Um, so I hope to bring that next year that I think uh, everybody will really, really enjoy. So be on the lookout for that as well. Um, so I hope that answered the question, right? <laughs> um, all right. So speaking of speaking of these uh, deadly heirs and system of the dead, and also going back to um, what we were discussing with uh, Howie Noel earlier in the graphic novels. Um, in that type of storytelling device. So a few years ago, some of you may remember a project that I started working on with Adam Tillery. And I kind of had to, kind of, <laughs> I did, uh, have to shelve that for a while that basically it's been put on pause um, indefinitely just because I've had so many other things going on. And that was a Time Channeler Chronicles. Now, this was another a, a, a different method of paranormal storytelling in that it was kind of, it really was like a uh, graphic web series. Because I had Adam doing the illustrations. Uh, he made some fantastic illustrations for this uh, project. And I felt really bad having to put it on hiatus for now. So, Adam... You might be lurking out there. Um, <laughs> you did some fantastic work for this. I'm sorry, my friend, that we didn't you know, keep it going. Um, it was really because I was trying to bite off a little bit more than I could chew um, with everything else I had going on at the same time, too. Because what we were doing, we were doing this like graphic web series. Also, in conjunction, I was making a audio version of audio and visual version of this on YouTube. So I was taking his artwork and basically reading the story that I had, that I had written, you know, dubbed over it, you know, to, to go ahead and place on YouTube. And I know you're probably like, well, if you're just reading it, you know, how hard can it be to, to toss up the illustrations as well? It's like, well, yeah, but you kind of don't understand that you, you have to do some sort of animation with this. And the story is actually several, several minutes long. So you're working with like three or four illustrations and you're coming at it from like different angles that are moving in, zooming in, zooming out, or, you know, coming from the top down or bottom up, you know, and so it was a lot of manipulation just to make the video when really, I guess probably what we should, what I should have just concentrated on was I'm writing the story, he's doing the art, just do the web series, but I was trying to incorporate the, um, these videos with it as well. Um, so <laughs> there's Adam, no worries at all, take your time, but he did some fantastic, uh, artwork with this, I do want to share, so, um, you know, so here's, here's my detective character, Chase Michael DeBarlow, which is in the books, Deadly Heirs and System of the Dead, he's the guy, um, but he has, kind of like me, um, because it is really my alter ego, um, you know, some abilities that he, um, doesn't admit to having. There is a third Chase Michael DeBarlow book that's in the middle of being written where he he's hired by a paranormal investigative team and he has a journey learning that, um, you know, at the beginning he basically doesn't believe really in the paranormal. And over his journey, of course, he learns that the activity does exist and he may even have, um, you know, some mild abilities. So this is kind of at the beginning of that. The, the room is modeled after the Stone Lion Inn. Guthrie, Oklahoma, uh, which is great. Adam did a fantastic job with this. Um, really, really amazing. Um, and so here's some of the others. Um, uh, 
Claire is trying to uh, help heal one of the girls that got hurt. Um, you know, she's a uh, a very young psychic medium, and then um, Cornelius Bones with uh, uh, Elise is the uh, is the female, basically time channeler who DeBarlow is going to train in this very esoteric field. So. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I really like the premise of of where I wanted to take this, and Adam was providing some wonderful artwork, um, and I hope one of these days we can pick back up on it. Um, we had, what, like four episodes? And I know quite a few people were actually uh, reading it and were enjoying the story, so, um, so hopefully we can get to it again. But it's another method of storytelling where you're, you know, you have the story, you have the artwork. Again, um, doing some different uh, videos and, you know, exploring. This was exploring not just supernatural and paranormal activity. Um, we were also exploring legends and lore, cryptids, because we had like, there were vampire type creatures that were in here. Um, exploring time travel. So you're talking about, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, interdimensional concepts and theories. So this fictional series was exploring a lot of, um, you know, supernatural and science fiction even uh, type of concepts. Uh, that was going to be really, really fun. So, uh, yeah, and everybody's loving Adam's illustrations. So yeah, Adam's an amazing artist. And that's just a few. He did a lot of great artwork. Um, Timetraveler.com still exists. It's still out there. Um, of course, I haven't updated the site in a few years because I haven't uh, posted any new stories, but you can check out the stories and the artwork out there. Uh, yeah, uh, Timechandler.com. So that's another way of telling paranormal stories. <laughs> um some others, um, so if we, if we go back to, because we're, I've kind of gone back and forth here between um, fiction and nonfiction. Actually, there's a couple more questions uh, coming in here. So from Betty Lange, uh, Grand Old Folks, Mike, are you going to do one on triangles, ley lines, and portals? So, okay. <laughs> Great question. Uh, yes, yes, and yes. Um, so it's part of the connected universe, right? Um, all of those things, triangles, ley lines, portals, all of that uh, part of the connected universe. Also, um, you know I have to do something on Alaska Triangle. And so that's in the... Both of those, well, I'm probably more along with Shadow Dimension uh, stuff uh, right now. But they're both in the preliminary uh, research stages where I'm gathering information. I do want to put out, I do want to get out the Alaska Triangle stuff here um, if I could within the next year. I really would have to push hard on that. But right now, I think you know, the iron is... I mean, obviously, the iron is hot for that. We just had the television show. Um, everybody keeps asking, is there going to be a second season? Right now, that's completely up in the air, of course, because, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't even know if um, the producers are even talking with the network on that. Just everybody keeps asking about it. Um, but even if they were, COVID would have put a nix on that for now. So we don't even know. So there's this hiatus where just nobody knows what's going on. So the iron would be hot for that. Um, and it would tie into all the other research that I'm doing right now for Shadow Dimension, the Connected Universe, and all that stuff. So it's a piece of that. And so I'd like to get that together, put that out first, and then continue on with the rest and get that out. So you're looking at... Alaska Triangle potentially 2021 and Shadow Dimension Connected Universe stuff 2022. Um, it's kind of where I have it in, in my head right now. Um, hopefully we can make all that happen. So Sharon Lane, Mike, how do you get in the mood to write? Do you write late at night? Do you have a wave of thoughts coming in and you marathon it? <laughs> you know, 
Um, I have always wanted to have some sort of set routine, and right now it is essentially just whenever I can do it. Um, you know, I do work a, I do work a day job, which you know significant significantly gets in the way, because um, that's basically nine hours of my day. Uh, it's you know eight hour workday, uh, an hour for lunch. Um, when I have to commute, that adds another hour to an hour and a half, depending on traffic. So you're talking 10 hours of my day right there to, you know, a, a job. Um, what I, um, well, here, with, with each of these two books here, um, you'll notice that Encounters with the Paranormal books, because <laughs> those on the podcast can't see, right? So you'll notice in the acknowledgments, um, I put the crew at Zoop and Rocky River for the nourishment at lunch while putting this book together. So during my lunch break, I will try to do as much Haunted Road Media stuff as I can. So I was going to a, uh, a restaurant. Basically, it's a soup and salad place called Zoop. And I'd have to drive there and back, so I would lose that time. But there was at least like a half-hour block in there where I could work on Hunter Road Media stuff. So I tried to get it in as much as I can. Same thing with with um, with Deadly Airs, my first book. Basically, my lunch my lunch hour, um, you know, I was writing on it, and then my kids were basically going to bed at nine o'clock, and then whatever I could do um, after that, if I could, because you know, there's always like household stuff um, that. Especially then, with with kids being little, um, that would have to do. So it's just like it's like whenever I can, um, you know. Uh, like right now, I'm I'm doing a show, so obviously I'm not writing. Tuesdays, I, I really have almost no time to do anything but prepare for Edge of the Rabbit Hole and Beyond the Shadows. Um, so it's it's really just. You know, if I I'll, if I have some time tomorrow, I will. If I have some time Thursday, I will. But I can't tell you when during the day it would be. Um, so, yes, there are times I marathon it. Example, I literally, um, I just put it down here, didn't I? I literally, for Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma, locked myself in a bedroom for a month. Um, I would come home from work. I was living in Oklahoma because I was trying to meet a deadline um, with, with Schiffer. You know, you set a deadline. If you're able to get it in by then, you'll be able to meet the um, the publishing cycle for you know, whatever time period that is. If you miss that deadline, it's not going to be till the next publishing cycle, which is going to be at least another six months off. You know, so that's, you know, with, with Haunted Road Media, I try to get stuff out as quickly as I can. Hopefully, maybe it's just a few months or whatever. Um you know, it, but when it comes to the actual publishing world, um, you know, when I say the next publishing cycle pushed out six months, you have to understand that the whole process after I submit the the book to the publisher is almost a year, okay? Because um, they do whatever they're doing on their end. You know, they're dealing with many writers, a lot of books, all that stuff. Um, when you're publishing, you know, I guess not Haunted Road Media or not, um, if you're not self-publishing, you know, you are, you're in a queue. Actually, Haunted Road Media is growing where we have a queue. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's like almost a year from the day you submit to the book actually being published. So I was trying to meet a deadline with this. Trying to make a long story short, too late. Um, and so I locked myself in a room for a month, come home from work, make dinner for the kids and ex-wife. <clears throat> I won't go there. And then I basically put myself in the room to finish that book. And I got it. I got it out there. So um, so I do have marathons sometimes. Um, writing late at night, to answer that question, I, I hit... I hit a wall at some point. I, I know um, I'm usually up pretty late, but I hit a wall at a point where I can't 
think like that anymore. I can do a bunch of other things. Like I could physically do different things. I could work maybe on editing video or um, scheduling multimedia posts or um, I don't know, doing dishes or, or you know, whatever, you know, um, cleaning up something around the house. You know, I could do more like physical type stuff, but there's a part of the creative brain that turns off at a certain time that's just like, I can't. So, um, hope that answers those questions. Um, all right. So, I, I threw up the Encounters with the Paranormal books. Um, again, another different type of um, telling paranormal stories. So, these are basically true encounters from people from all over. These are not seasoned writers. Yes, I'm one of the writers. I have a few stories in there. There are a couple of other people in there that are writers. But most of the stories in here are from people that are not professionals. Um, they are just people who have had haunted experiences and were willing to share their story. So, um, yeah, true stories. And, you know, I, uh, I guess first person point of view, some of them are at historic locations. Some happened when people were young, small kids, um, some happened overseas you know they're all over different types of experiences and that's what i was going for with these when when i started putting these together is um you know i could i could share all the paranormal experiences that i've had but you may not re be able to relate to anything that's happened to me you get enough people together and there's a much better opportunity or much, much better chance that you would be able to relate to something you know that a large group of people uh, have experienced. So, um, that was a, that was a big thing here. So that, um, connotation that we have as people who have had paranormal experiences is that we're crazy. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed about, um, about writing what I do and about doing the videos, which is another way to tell a paranormal story, by the way, is through all the videos, um, is that so many people have come to me and said, Thank you for sharing these things. You've helped me realize that I'm not crazy. And, you know, we're not. I mean, there are a couple people who are. <laughs> but that happens with, with, any, um, with any medium, right? With, with any uh, type of industry. There's always your crazies out there. But, um, you know, most of us who you know have a sane mind, of course. Well, we're not crazy, but we've seen we've seen ghosts. We've we've had weird things happen to us. We've we've seen shadow people. You know, we've seen these crazy balls of light. We've seen fairies. You know, whatever it is, um, these things have happened. And while you, as an individual, might question your individual experience, once you start realizing that other people are out there that have had the same experience, you realize, okay. What I saw, what I heard, what I smelled, whatever, um, is legit. It really happened. I'm not crazy after all. And that's very, very helpful to have that type of affirmation. And I talk about it, you know, in, in some of my kind of origin stories. Um, the shadow person at the house when I was 13 years old, when my mother said that she had seen it too, um, it helped me that, okay, I, I really am seeing this, I'm okay, my eyes aren't going crazy, which for me, I have, ac I have actually very bad eyesight, I'm wearing contacts, um, I have terrible eyesight, and so for me, that would be a concern, you know, are, are my eyes finally getting getting to the point where, you know, they're just, I'm going to go blind or something, I don't know, um, so she affirmed that, no, I was seeing this thing, and she did it in such a fashion that, oh yeah, yeah, like no big deal. Like, yeah, it happened. It was there. Um, that I felt good about it. That, you know, I it, I didn't get scared by her affirming that this was happening. And I became playful with it. You know, I would see it. I called it Tom. Like, hey, Tom, how's it going? You know, so that's that's what I've been going for with these Encounters books. So... Um, Robert Hanna says I'm wearing my Beyond the Shadow shirt right now love both my shirts thanks Robert absolutely appreciate that from Betty Lange Grando folks Mike do you copyright your titles before you publish the book yeah so um, I do that 
Now there's a uh, I guess here's the deal. So if something should happen where you go to court, having the certificate that you have copywritten the book significantly helps. But just the fact that um, like if you just printed a book with all the stuff in it and you've slapped copyright on there, um, you basically have a way to prove, should it ever go to court, that yes, you did publish something you know, before this other person tried to lay claim to it. So you would have a case anyway. Um, but filing it with the, um, you know, with the copyright office um, and getting that little certificate, that does help. So um, I keep that stuff on file with, with Haunted Road Media. Um, From Victoria Monday, do you feel that nonfiction books write faster than fiction? It's easier to retell a story than to create a story. Um, whew, that's a good question, and it depends. Yeah, sometimes it's easier to just take a memory and write it down. If that's what your nonfiction book is about. Um, you take something like A Walk in the Shadows. It's not just me recounting my experiences, and it's not just other people recounting their experiences. Um, there's a lot of... I had to do medical research on this for sleep paralysis. There's um, some historic research that was done here on like ancient Egypt and ancient uh, Mesopotamia. It's, it's, you know, it's not hardcore in this particular book, uh, but there's going to be more of that in um, the Shadow Dimension book. Um, so there's, um, you know, I had to do research when I got into uh, Shadows in the Matrix, which is about um, the simulated universe. I had to do research on those type of concepts of what a simulated universe would look like and why uh, certain people have those theories out there. So that's not easy stuff. Um, you know, you have to dig for that for one. You have, so there's a lot of reading involved. And depending on the angle that you're taking, you're, you know, of course I'm using some quotes from, from these different researchers. So I'm grabbing these quotes. Um, to try to prove a point in a concept that I have. And so you're doing a lot of, um, you know, are, I mean, basically arranging thoughts and really trying to think through these different concepts and you're, and you're developing your own theories and, um, and in your own philosophy on how the universe works, which isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. Um, that said, with fiction, sometimes, I mean, there have been times that I've, you know, blasted through parts of Deadly Airs and System of the Dead, and it was just like, oh, I got it, boom, 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 and you could see it. Howie Noel um, mentioned it on uh, on his interview that, you know, he basically sees like a movie in his mind, and he's trying to get that movie, um, you know, onto, onto pen and paper for us, and that in a lot of cases with my fiction writing is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing like a movie in my head and I'll have a scene and boom, 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 boom. I write it out and I, oh, I see this, boom, 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 boom. There are other times people talk about writer's block and you get to a point like, I don't know how to transition from here to there. How, what do I want him to say? How do I want him to get there? Do I want somebody to interact with it? How do we move from here to there? The way I kind of circumvent that for writers who get stuck in, in writer's block because I know I'm going to get there, I will go ahead and go there and write that scene out. And hopefully, by then, by the time I get there, I will have figured out that in-between spot and, and do that. If not, then I move on to another area. I always have a part that I can write. Um, I never become completely blocked. So um, eventually I get back to that, that part that I couldn't figure out before. So... Um, 
But that's a that's a really good question. Um all right, Robert Hanna. What do you think about Stephen King wanting to write a book about Jason Voorhees? Um Why not? <laughs> you would think Stephen King probably has similar enough characters by now. I mean, if he wants to, um, I guess if he has all the permission in place to go ahead and do so and, um, you know, continue on with somebody else's creation, you know, that's kind of what they do for, well, like the Star Wars novels, right? You know, they, uh, they, they commission these guys to, you know, write a book in the Star Wars universe and they give them, I guess, some license, you know, or some creative license to be able to manipulate that world and, of course, allow them to use the characters and what have you. So, I mean, from a legal standpoint, I mean, they just, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's the right way. Um, Stephen King would have a uh, interesting take on it, I believe. We'll see what he does with it. Um, Betty Lange, do you use an outline or storyboard? Sometimes. Sometimes. What I end up doing, this is mostly true for the fiction writing. I'll just start going. I have an idea. I want to run with it. And so I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. But at some point, you've you've already written so much that you're like, okay, what did I what did I write? <laughs> you know, it gets to that point. What did I write? Um, because you want to make sure, especially with something like mystery writing where you have a lot of details that are important um you know that you know something like mystery is very plot driven it's i i say that uh, I, let, let me back up a second there with that so it was something like mystery it is very plot driven because you're trying to basically figure out who you know who done it however you need strong characters too the the story needs to be character centric while it's still very plot driven which which is a challenge because people and i think this is where where some i'm gonna take the show lost um the first couple seasons of lost were very character driven you know you wanted to know more about these characters how the characters were connected you want to know more about their lives they did a fantastic job with that while there's this all this crazy mystery stuff that was going on with the island. And I loved all that mystery stuff. I was always like, I want to know more about the island. Let's get into the mysteries and, and find all the stuff that's going on with there, which is what John Locke's character always did. He was the one that was like, let's follow John because he's going to try to find out what the hell's going on with the island. The last couple seasons of Lost, because they were trying to wrap up all of those you know, storylines, at least as much as they could, because they left a lot of things on the table. Um, they became too plot-driven and forgot about the character development. And those those last couple seasons, you're like, eh, you know, especially the last one, you know, because they were just, you know, it was like plot, 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 and they were like throwing things out there that, you know, like, like the lighthouse. Why did we never find this lighthouse before? Well, maybe because we weren't looking for it. And they basically just like threw this lighthouse in there to like help drive the plot to wrap up a couple things from, you know, earlier seasons. Um, so you have to be very, very careful with that balance. You know, people, people relate to the characters, but get intrigued by the mystery. Uh, and that's, that's the plot. So, um, it's, it's it's an interesting balance to, to have to play with. So, um, all right. So some of the other um, methods here that I had. So these two books here, um, Campfire Tales Midwest and Ghost Story and Case Files, they are very similar yet very different books. So they're very similar in the fact that they are both, they both contain fictional tales based on real history and legends. Another way to tell a story. So campfire tales, you know, you think of you're sitting, you're sitting by the campfire with a bunch of friends and you're telling, you know, creepy ghost stories. In fact, that's exactly what they're doing in the very first story of this book. Um, some of my, actually the best, the best story I've, short story I've ever written is in this book, Feeling the Afterlife. Um, 
what was I going to say? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, it's been, it's been a long week. So fictional tales based on real history and legends. It's fun, but very different than something like ghost story and case files, um, in a lot, a lot of different ways. So while these are fun ghost stories, you know, roasting marshmallows by the campfire, you know, kids doing goofy stuff or they're getting eaten by the thing in the lake. Um, and you do, you know, you, I made a point um, to make sure that you learn something about the locations that I describe in these books. So they're all real locations. The the thing in the lake, that's Sin Killer Lake. Feeling the afterlife was the old Fort Chaffee Field Medical Complex. Uh, I do the, um, the gateway to hell and stall. Uh, Kansas, um, a lot of that stuff. So I make sure you learn something while you're going through this. Every story contains fire, by the way. <laughs> um, but they're fictional tales. Same thing with Ghost Story and Case Files. You're still fictional tales. You're still learning about some historic location, but the writing is extremely different. It couldn't be... It almost couldn't be any farther from Campfire Tales. Fun, playful stories for the most part. This is written like you just opened up my file cabinet and started leafing through the case notes. So there's journal entries and email transcripts and um, interview transcripts and, and you know all these different types of things like that. There's uh, There are journal entries. The journal entries are probably the closest thing that come to, um, you know, a like a first-person point of view writer saying, I did this and I went there and I did that. Um, there's even just uh, excerpts from, from ancient texts that are pertinent to the actual story that give you a little bit of insight as to what's going on within uh, the case at hand. So very, very different style of writing. But again, it's they're fictional tales based on real history and legends, which is exactly what this is. But yet, they're both written very differently. So again, different ways to share paranormal stories. Um, and thank you, Quarantine Ghost, for putting all those uh, links down there. Absolutely appreciate it. So... Okay, Tom McNicholas, how do you write and not keep repeating yourself? Um, that's a challenge because, you know, even while doing these shows like this, you know, how do I, you know, keep doing shows after show after show without repeating myself? I try to find new angles and ways to view things. So, how many times have I talked about shadow people, right? You know, how many times how many times can I sit here and say, this is what a humanoid figure is, this is what a hat person is, you know, but yet we've done many, many shows here beyond the shadows or on the Haunted Road Media channel about shadow people. What I try to do with each one is take a different look at it, take a different angle. So while you know, take the water bottle that I'm holding here it's always going to be the water bottle right but yet if i put a camera here it's going to look differently than if i put a camera back here or if i put a camera down here you're going to see a different side of the bottle you see this you know text on the back over here is the front from right here you would get like the lid it would it would all look very differently and, and maybe that's a little simplistic but um you know, with anything in life, there are many, many different ways to look and examine at things. And so while a particular subject in and of itself may be the same topic, there are a lot of different ways in which to actually look at it. And so when I start um, getting deeper into Shadow Dimension Connected Universe, while there's going to be a lot of the because we'll be talking about interdimensional beings and shadow people, while, so while there's going to be a lot of elements that are from this book, A Walk in the Shadows, it's not going to be a straight rip of A Walk of the Shadows with extra information. Um, it, it's going to be a very, I won't say necessarily say 
different look. It It's going to look at a, a broader spectrum of this type of phenomena and will incorporate um, some of the concepts that we explored in A Walk in the Shadows. So that would be, I guess that's a way to look at it since we're, we were talking about like cameras there for a second looking at different angles. Um, it would be like taking this book and using like a wide angle lens and um, taking a look at a much broader spectrum um, of that type of world. So it's a good question. So let's see. Victoria Monday. Mike, I've noticed that those of us who wear glasses or contacts seem to see differently. We see intuitively, creatively. Do you think that when a vision path is blocked one way, it opens another way? Um, I don't know. That's uh, um, that's a good question because there are good writers out there that don't wear glasses. <laughs> um, I... Hmm. So I know that there's there's always that, and it's very very true that like uh, people can't see very well or able to hear better and, and things like that. Um, I, I I can't really confirm that. I would have to actually like almost like take a poll, <laughs> like how many of our great writers out there wear glasses and how many don't. Um, You know, I like okay, like my dad. Um, he wears, he does wear glasses now, but he's gotten older in age. When he was younger, um, like he wore some glasses for reading, is essentially what he wears them for. Um, and he works on the computer now that his eyes have aged, but he didn't, he didn't need them before. He's a very different creative person than I. Like his his area of expertise is not in creative writing, his is in machining and woodwork. So he's a tool and die maker by trade, builds machines. Um, he you know does does a lot of CAD work or at least did. He still does when he's working on a project. Builds his own furniture. Uh, basically designed and built the last two houses that my parents have lived in. But you know. He had glasses for for reading. You know, he's extremely creative. So I yeah, I can't necessarily say that one. But I get what you're, I get what you're trying to say with um, a vision path. A vision path is blocked, and so something else opens up. Um, I mean, I th I think that's, I think that's true in like a physical sense, like you. You know, you might have better hearing or something like that. Like people who are blind are able to hear many more things that are going on around them than somebody who's able to see. It's different though. Alina the Fam, when you were writing A Walk in the Shadows, how did you keep the different experiences of everyone that shared organized before incorporating it into the book? Um, it's a great question. So some of the some of the experiences I already had from other books, like the like the encounters with the paranormal books. Um, like Sean Gilmore's shadow person experience was already in this book. So I already knew I wanted to use that. Um, I'll tell you what, things really fell into place with a walk in the shadows. So I had different topics that I was writing about that I knew I needed to cover that I was in the middle of writing about. And I didn't have experiences or stories for them. And I was and it's like, okay, so I don't have an experience or a story about it. I know it's, I know it's true. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and write about it, and we'll get into the theories, and we'll we'll approach it that way. That you know, we're we're theorizing about this specific topic. You know, th and this happened a lot with um, with the sleep paralysis stuff. So talking with people at conventions or you know because I was talking about the book here on, on the channel or on the Hunter Road Media channel or people would watch one of the shadow people videos on the Hunter Road Media channel and they'd write me or contact me or talk to me at the convention or whatever hey um, you know it's really interesting what you're talking about I had this experience and lo and behold 
that experience was something that I needed to help flesh out that chapter that I didn't have anything for. I think that's kind of like the universe putting people into your life that, you know, that you need that, you know, will kind of help out. And so, yeah, it was just one of those moments of synchronicity. So I, I already had an idea of what I wanted to write about, um, the type of topics. And then, you know, while I had a lot of it from some of my experiences, somewhere from experience or somewhere experiences from people I'd been talking to for years and I knew they had those experiences. Some were in previous books and then others, you know, just, it was like they came out of the woodwork or, okay, Tom McNicholas is down in the chat. The, the, uh, the topic on human spirits, uh, as shadow people, I, there's five of us that experienced the little girl that was up there. Many of them didn't see the black smoke turn into the little girl. I saw the black smoke turn into the girl. They still saw the girl. Um, but it's like I'm writing the book and all of a sudden the phenomenon happens right in front of me. And that was one that I always was skeptical about I mean, for many years. But I had, had enough people like Rob Gutcher who also speaks to that in this book that were saying, well, no, some of them are. Some of, some of these shadow people are actually humans. And I was like, eh, for a long time. Over the years, I was like, okay, I guess I can buy it. Rob talked about it. Others over the years that I talked to had mentioned it. Yeah, it was, you know, a relative or, you know, somebody else that, um, you know, that I knew or is known to haunt there and is actually a human, but they show up as a shadow. It's like, okay, okay, fine. But then it actually happened to me, and it's like, okay, that just, like, solidified the whole chapter right there. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing when things like that happen. Um, from Babs Bunny, Mike, do you ever not believe people's ghost stories? What makes a story too fantastical to believe? That is a great question. Um, it's, um, I guess it's intuition. You know, there, you know, there, there is a part of, when you're having a conversation with anyone, I mean, I, I guess just look at it this way. Um, it, it might not be anything to do with ghosts. It could be just something totally mundane in life. And somebody strings you a story and you're like, this person's bullshitting me. And you, ju you just know, you know, it, it could be something about I don't know, the the dish that broke in the kitchen, you know, and, and you know your kid is lying about it, you know, or, you know, the, you know, the mechanic that you took the car to is trying to get you to, you know, invest more money into the car, and you're like, no, that's, no, that, no, there's something wrong there. You just, you kind of know, you have an intuition. So, yeah, I hear stories from a lot of people all the time, um, whether it's at a convention or they email me or, you know, whatever it is. And, yeah, it's kind of an intuition thing of, yeah, this person, yeah, okay. I buy that one and this other one, like, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a crock. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you just kind of know, and I don't know how else to explain that. Um, I also, people that are, you know, very good friends of mine that I've known for many, many years, yeah, I I'm, I have a trust level with some people that, that I just know, this person's not going to BS me about that. Um... What did Victoria say? We need a Ghostorian case files board game. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, I have made board games before. It's been many, many years. Uh, but when I was much younger, I, I made board games. Uh, it was something my sister and I did when we were kids, and there was one that I made as an adult. Um, but it was a it was a Monopoly parody that was a family joke. Um, but it was a lot of fun to make. 
it was a family joke that came about one um, one Thanksgiving, and so for Christmas, I made everybody a board game associated on that joke. That was a long holiday season. I was up like 3, 3.30 in the morning every single day to get that thing made for everybody. I mean, I had like little wooden pieces that I painted and all kinds of stuff. So it was kind of crazy. Um, is there anything else I want to mention to you guys uh, before we close this up? It seems like in my mind there was something else that I wanted to mention real quick that I didn't because we had a bunch of great questions come in. Um. I think that it might be it, right? So we talked about, I'm trying to think here. We talked about the Encounter series, the Mysteries, A Walk in the Shadows quite a bit. The Encounter series, Ghosts of Maryland. Oh, yeah, that's right, the videos. We've been talking all this about books, right? I know the thumbnail for the for this YouTube video is books. But another way to tell paranormal stories is through video. And we have done a lot of that. So on the Hunter Road Media channel, I know this is the Edge of the Rabbit Hole channel that this is airing live on right now, but the Hunter Road Media channel, which is our parent channel where most of our content is, is almost, what, almost 800 videos now? Is it, is it that high? Is it almost 700, 800? It's, it's a lot. <laughs> um, and there is a lot of storytelling on those videos, whether it's our paranormal investigations, Friday Night Ghost Frights, um, there's what I call learning videos, like the, the Tulpa video that I just put out a few weeks ago is what I would call a Hunter Road Media learning video. Um, you know, we've done like Paranormal Roads, so like road trip videos, um, a lot of different stuff. We used to do the Mike Morning Mugs out there. Uh, hey, just here for the coffee, Mike's Morning Mug, you know, the shirt. So there's a lot of different things that we've done out there. Uh, to tell a paranormal story. And, you know, there's like just straight up like um, haunted history type videos. You know, like the the Alton video from a couple years ago, um, which got into, that one was really interesting because it got into like the connections around the town of the history, the reported ghost stories in the newspapers and how some of these were very interconnected. There was a much bigger project of that that I was working on um before all the covid stuff actually it's been a two-year project that has been repeatedly hammered so last year was all the flooding i couldn't work on it uh, except for like maybe this much because of all the flooding last year so come into this year you know gonna get that finished up and really put something out on it covid happens so it'll eventually happen but um yeah, so those videos are another way to uh, to tell that story. And there's a, um, when it comes to A Walk in the Shadows, there's another big video project that I was in the very preliminary stages of working on in relation to that before, again, all the COVID stuff happened. So hopefully those things will, um, as, as the rains loosen up here a little bit more, be able to follow up and do some more of those things here soon so um and even like this another way to uh tell the paranormal story so as as we do these videos here i share personal experiences i share a lot of information about different types of supernatural activity you know beyond the shadows we're talking about all kinds of esoteric things so it's another way to tell that story this, i mean this ends up as a podcast on you know spotify uh the edge of the rabbit hole also ends up on um iHeartRadio. so audio another way to to tell that story so all right i think with that we'll we'll wrap it up <laughs> um Sharon Lane, I still think about the live investigation at the old YMCA in Illinois. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was another way to do it. We, uh, you know, we did live investigations. I haven't done one of those for a while, but again, haven't really been investigating all that much lately. So it's just because places have been kind of closed up and can't get to them. Of course, I just moved, so that was a lot of work. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it. Um. Yeah, Tom, it's it's terrible that we were all supposed to go all in, but now we have to wait. Yeah, it's um, 
yeah, in June, that was what, this past weekend it was supposed to be? That got canceled. Um, September, we went ahead and canceled that because we just don't know what the state of Illinois is going to say in September. So the best way to play it is just we'll, we'll do it next year. But we are working on a um, virtual Paracon. Yes. Um, but, Tom, I do want to talk with you and the guys about... Um, about all because it has it has to do with that project that I was talking about for here, buddy. Um, and, and you know that I want to talk to you, um, Nick and Dustin, about that experience up there. So, um, in Mineral Springs. So we'll talk about that some more because that um, that will happen. And yes, Tim Schoen, Hunter Road Roast, help hunt ghosts. The box is over there; it's all, they're all sealed up. But we'll have them out. For next time uh betty lang you love the family picture mike beautiful thank you so that was on my uh totally off topic but that was on my uh personal facebook profile where i got to see my kids this weekend uh which i don't get to a lot because they're they're grown they're starting to get scattered across the country um but really surprised my son chase happened to be in town through the oklahoma city area over the weekend and made plans with with my daughter and my youngest son uh, to meet up for brunch, uh, her boyfriend came along, didn't say anything about the fact that my middle son Chase was in town from Maryland out to Oklahoma, and they drive up, and he's there, and I was like, dude, so it was pretty cool, all right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up and get to the shout outs and all that fun stuff, <laughs> 